on this episode of Quantum Week, March 5th through 11th, 1995. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and uh, talk about the movies and music and headlines and stories. And um, we're in March 5th through 11th, 1995. That's right. We're going to talk about uh, Take a Bow by Madonna. I'm going to turn down the volume. Oh, you got, is that on too my loud? headset? Yeah. I'm very, uh, <laughs> I, I'm very anal, anal, that's not a anal retentive. Word, I'm very like, uh, I don't know, what's it, difficult, I guess, prickly with my headphone. I hate the headphones. The Matt, fact that you're even using them is like a huge step up. Matt makes um, me. I mean, I if you like want to hear stuff. Yeah, I, if you want to hear the music that we're playing. I hear the music, of course. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I got to play. Uh, <laughs> I, I do hate it so much. Uh, so we're talking about Take a Bow by Madonna, and we're talking about Forrest Gump. Right. Um, so Forrest Gump. Um, Forrest Gump is baby boomer pornography. It is like the hottest porn for the baby boomer gen- generation. They love this shit. Like, if there's a movie, like, all right, you know, if my grandkids are like, what were the baby boomers like? And I'm, I'm going to play them say, Forrest you would, Gump. You would have to, right. This is exactly it what It is everything that is Boomer. Yeah. Um, and I mean that, I guess, in the best ways, but I guess mostly the worst ways. Um, so Forrest Gump is not a great movie. Agreed. Forrest Gump. I, I, Forrest Gump might be a good movie. It might not be. Um, I, have, I, have really hard, I have a really hard time with this movie critically yeah because i've seen it for so it's been around for i don't know oh, 25 I, years i know i know we've seen it a bunch of times we do a pop it's culture, in the zeitgeist right we do a pop culture show that deals with so we get it but this movie in particular yeah was something that's had a really long yeah bubba gum t-shirts yeah i mean it's everywhere it's everywhere it's yeah. become more than a movie at some point and those, right. those movies are kind of tough to critique 25 years later or whatever um but i i don't i i i, I, I would has i would not call this a good movie i'm with you on that i think um, Forrest Gump is a really good character and Tom Hanks plays him really well. Meaning, I don't know if he is a good character. I think he is a good character. Um, he's wholesome and heroic and, um, you know, does amazing stuff with what he has. The problem that I have is the same problem that you're going to have with the film and that is why the fuck did we have to insert him in all these like major events in history? If we didn't do that and we just saw his life like him oh, having this extraordinary life through Vietnam with his, his, his relationship with Jenny like that and having a kid like all that stuff is really compelling. Like way when he meets more, his kid for the first time, it's so more compelling. So than splicing him into oh. like uh, you know him pretending to talk to JFK or John Lennon. Or right. Elvis. On the Dick Cabbage show. So you're right. Oh, yeah. that bullshit. I mean, that is so frustrating to me. That's the book, though. If I, I know. Which, then, by the way, I did try to read uh, a few years ago. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. I, I, I will admit, I, did, I read like 30, 40 but, pages of it. I, I, mean, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. It could be based on the book, but be better, <laughs> but not have all that shit in there. You don't need it. And, I agree. And I think, that, I think that is a critical error by uh, Zemeckis. Critical error to do that. And the cheese factor was so high too, because you have that like the stupid feather, <sighs> giant metaphor, fist in your face. Like you don't need this that. Whole movie's like, a fist in your face. The, oh, the music. The, oh, the music is horrible. It's everything is like so. I mean, he does. He did this with uh, that movie. Was it Flight? Yeah. Flight. Same thing. Like the music is like is. It's so it punch it punches it you in punches the face. You right it's, in the face. It's, it's 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 exactly what's happening in the screen. Is what you're yep. hearing. Like, but but yep. it's but it just takes the word. It's 
it's the most, it's not the context of the song or the emotion of the song or even like the subversive nature of the song. It's simply like the lyrics. Yep. Like, uh, what is the uh, walk that when he walks? Uh, uh, um, it keeps me run. Uh, yeah. Keeps me running is one of them. Well, there's three songs in it. I can't now. I can't remember the other two, but uh, right. And yeah, it's just like, Michael McDonald tune. To get, and he's 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 running. And yep. he, he, they're singing about running. Exactly. G- Way too on the nose. And the score is horrid too. I, I fucking hate, I hate, hate the, the score. score so bad with this stupid melody. Is yeah. the Alan Silvestri did this great? He got nominated for an Oscar for it. Oh, I, I it really. It was me. dreadful. And I don't know if it irks me because I've heard it now for so long or if it's just annoying. No, they, he's like, how can I write the most cheesiest fucking melancholy, um, saw piece possible, you know, to, to exemplify the st- I mean, it's hard because you're, you're trying to, you're trying to support that metaphor. It's the really hard. Like think about how this movie opens. It opens with a feather. Yes. You know, a CGI feather. That's, you know, just, and it's just, it's so oh. it's like, all right, we get it. You know, life is a, a, a situation like is a lot of like, Fate just brings you places, it, yeah, right? It does. It's yeah. like a lot of life is fate driven. A lot of it's not. Um, a lot of it is, I guess. And they want to really just smash you in the face with that. And uh, it's just exhausting. It's after exhausting. A while. And it's a shame because there are some movies, there are elements of this movie that are quite good. Very good. Yeah, the performances are very good. Some partic- of the performances are very good. Well, particularly with with uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Sally Field, and Gary Sinise. I do, didn't, I do not like Sally Field's performance. I think she's good. I don't really like Jenny. I don't really like, um, I don't like I, that character. Man. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. She's a tough one. They, whoever wrote that. Yeah. I, I know whoever it was Eric Roth. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh, he, he, they, and I, I don't know how much of it was influenced by Winston Groom's book. Um, but man, they hate, they hate Jenny yeah, character. They, they really do make, <laughs> it, make them seem shitty. Of, that's tough. I feel bad for Robin Wright playing that character. It's really, that's a really actually, I think she does a quite a good job. I don't think she does. It. I really like Robin Wright too. I think she's stunning. And um, has I like her performances in many films, but I I don't like. I don't her think this. you can win with that role. Maybe not. Maybe it's not her fault. I don't think it is. I think it's written so like that character is so hateable. Yeah, very hateable. And the 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 sad part is the little girl is so likable. Like them as kids, they're very yeah. likable. And then she grows up into this like it's like horrible person, horrible person that just totally just kind of uses him. I totally. Mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like you can you know how much of it, how much is it that she, the character goes back to Forrest Gump because she's sick and dying and she wants a place for a kid. How much is that? Or how much does she finally realizes that Forrest Gump is an amazing man and should be with him? All right, toward the former? Yeah, it sucks. I don't want to believe that, though. I don't want to believe that. That hurts. That's everything she does. That is manipulative and using somebody. Yep. And yeah, you can blame it on the fact that, you know, she obviously had a a really horrible childhood. Terrible childhood. So yeah, so maybe there's a lot of elements there, but every element of it is her using Forrest whenever she sees him. And now we're supposed to believe just because I know, she has a kid, she doesn't use it. Well, like, she gets straight. I think, you know, she, she, she real, she has a, her low moment, gets herself clean, goes to forest and like rides out. I think that's what that point is. When she oh, comes right, back so she's, she's rehab. She's, she's rehabbing. She's with him. But then she only used him. I know. I don't know why she did. Why? So mean. I don't get it. Jenny sucks. She does. Jenny suck. is not good. Why won't you love me? Oh my God. Breaks my heart. I know what love is. Oh, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> Breaks my heart. Uh, that's actually a good. So to, let's bring, let's talk about Hanks for a second. Sure, because obviously that's what you know. His first Oscar. Yep. I'm sorry, second Oscar. Oh, he back, back. He did yep. Philadelphia first. Um, and you know his most. Do we do the Hanks? We, we did the Hanks. We some, did. And we would we decide that this was more iconic than yeah. Castaway. It yeah. was, and we did the poll. Yeah. So I, I I will I have a you love I, Castaway love castaway like yeah. to an insane degree it probably more than oh, definitely more than i think most people do it's a good movie though i really really enjoy it 
Um, but this is, I will, I will agree. I will bow down here. And I will, oh, ta- I will, will you take a bow? I will take a bow. Oh, oh I'm taking a bow. There it is. Take a bow. <laughs> yep, yep, there it is. He First of many, I'm going to do this show. Uh, and say that uh, Forrest Gump, though, is his most iconic role. Yeah. Um, so there is some, so the scene I love the most and the scene that does, it does fucking Zemeckis, this fucking corny ass film. It did kind of bring me to emotion. I, I, my eyes started to well up was when he realizes, and it does every time. I don't know why yeah. it gets me when he realizes his son is born. And his first oh. question is if his son is, 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 you know, stupid like, or not really is what he's asking him. And, um, did I pass on my intelligence to my kid? Yeah. And the fear he has, you can see the fear in his, Hanks is a wonderful, so good the fear, at it. And he's oh. so tender and he even takes a step back out of like, it's almost like someone watching too a horror much weight movie. and he's yeah exactly too and, much to handle. Um, and then when she says no, the relief on his face. Yeah, you know, and um, it's the best scene in the movie. Once again, there's, there's no crazy Dick Cavett or John Lennon CGI. Um, it's just human beings talking, uh, and he does it pitch perfect. Um, yeah, it's really well done. That scene is it's beautiful. Amazing scene. It's wonderful. It's it's so great. Um, and it's so cool that he gets to have a kid and you're excited for him, but at the same time, you can understand his fear. It's, there's a lot of layers there, which for a movie that has no layers, it's, this movie punches you in the face every second it gets. It's a really nice scene. Yeah, a lot of and depth there. And he plays it wonderfully. Other scenes, it's so one note, and it's like, eh, I don't know, he's just kind of doing it in a dumb voice. And that's the problem I have is Zemeckis is better than this. He is. He's better than this. With Castaway, he doesn't have a lot. I mean, he has Tom Hanks, who's a great actor to work with, but you don't have much to work with. You've got limited dialogue, you have a man alone on an island trying to survive for two hours. And that's a great movie. Can I name some movies that Jamaica said that are better than this? Oh, there's tons of them, but sure. Go, go right ahead. You can agree or not. Uh, yeah. Back to the future. 100%. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. I, I'm a huge, I'm apologist. For movie. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the future two. Great movie. Back to the future three. Yep. Contact. Way better. Uh, Castaway. Way better. I think I think this is better than what lies beneath. I also like what lies beneath more than most people. I think the directing is better at what lies beneath. Um, I agree with the you. The story is more compelling. I mean, so uh, it, no, yeah. I, what, what I mean is okay. If you took this, if you took the straight story of Forrest Gump without all the, ex, all the history shit versus what lies beneath, that's more compelling. But because of all the other history elements that he's inserted, that he's been inserted himself into it, it takes away from the story. Here's a movie that I don't necessarily, I haven't seen in a long time, so I can't judge it, but I, I think I know your take. Mm-hmm. Romancing the Stone. Yeah, so I haven't seen it forever, but I love that you film like as that a kid. Movie, yeah. All right, yeah. Um, so those are movies that are all better than the movie that he won the Oscar for. I, I think, so me and you both agree that it's not in that, like we, we've named like five movies that are significantly better. Yep. We are putting this in his lower tier along with um, What Lies Beneath. That's, what, that's how we feel about Forrest Gump. Basically. Yeah, uh, okay, so we agree then. Yeah, de- uh, it's not as bad as Death Becomes Her. That becomes that's a, that's a shit movie. No, there's, some, there's some really shitty movies. And it's better than Flight. It's Although I, flight. I like Flight, not because the dry. I like Denzel. And, Denzel's performance is great. That movie yeah. is total horseshit. That movie's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, he's, he's directed some bad movies. You know, he's directed yeah. some good, really great ones. Yeah, yeah, Zemeckis' yeah. career is very odd. So we agree then there's at least a half dozen movies that are better than this. Yeah, the this, one that he won the Oscar this for. Is midway up, you know, midway for him or, or perhaps less. And I will the, say personally, Back to Feature and Castaway are my top 20 all time. Okay. Yeah. Like, I love those movies that much. Like yeah. they are in the, they might even be like top 10. Those are both great. I love Castaway to an insane degree. Yeah. Um, so my issue with Hanks uh, in this movie isn't so much Hanks. It's once again, that, that script, which, which is, is, is kind of rough. Um, I just think a lot of it is just, he has nothing more to do than just kind of say like 
axioms in a goofy voice. Yes. And I stare don't, blankly. I don't fault him for that. I really hate. What else um, are you going to do with it, right? Right. I really hate the lines. Uh, what was the line? For no apparent reason. And for no apparent reason, that guy got shot. And for no apparent reason. Like, I really hate that. But that's not Hanks' fault. It's not his fault. Not his you fault that he's doing that. You have to read the script. I, I also hate it, too. Yeah. I don't mind stupid is as stupid does. I know that, that I can understand why that would get like make you feel really choosy, too. But, but actually, if you look at the levels of it, it's a really smart it's like I actions hate, matter. I hate all, I hate any movie where they're like I, what mama says or all these like, yeah, cause I it's a you. way to like try to insert wisdom from a character. That's not wise. It's a, it's a shoehorn. It's a, it's a gimmick. It is a shoehorn, but he is wise in his own way. But, so, he, but he's not though. Like he's not like, no, I, he is wise. He knows that he knows that, uh, his moral, his like him acting in a moral way is more important than him acting in an intelligent way. He knows that his actions matter more than the words that he says. He doesn't have a, a big dialogue. No, I he just knows he needs right. to be he's, honest, he's, kind, um, doesn't take things personally and show a lot of love and support. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, 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 I know I, why. I don't hate. I don't. I don't hate Forrest. I I, I hate Jenny. Like I don't hate Forrest. And, and so yeah. I must like Forrest because a lot of the reason I hate Jenny is because she treats Forrest badly and it makes me sad. Yep. So I I I guess I like Forrest uh, as as annoying as as, a can, as he can sometimes be. I'm more in Lieutenant Dan, who I think oh, by he's, the way he's great. Gary Sneeze is so fantastic yeah. in this movie. He's really great. Really great. Like. It's uh, sometimes I'm watching this movie and I get angry watching the movie because they're wasting this performance and I know they're not wasting, but you know what I mean? Like I feel like this should yeah. be a better movie. Yep. Um, cause he's so good. I love his anger and I love oh, his, yeah. he's his reality. I feel like this is a real, it must be so weird. I even taking away the stupid leg thing and not, you know, you know, the whole, that whole gimmick It's when that, when this movie came out, him not having the legs, it's all you heard about for months. Yeah. Be, it was like a huge deal because yep. the CGI was new. Yep. So, but just the anger, being that angry, working with someone like a Forrest Gump character who's not emoting at all, it gives even more credit to Sinise because he's in nothing a good to play point. off of. He's That's a good point. Wall. Yeah. He's so good. He's awesome in this. I love, like, you know, this character feels like he should have died. Like, you know that from his performance. Oh, yeah. He's like, he, my, he, he, like they don't, you don't, you never hear him. I mean, he sort of, he does say it, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk about his history. We see his history but he doesn't talk about the fact that every one of his lineage died in a war in, in the United States. And so he feels like that's his, his destiny. Oh, he want like, and then, you know, he, but he wants it. Like, you know, you, you, you know it. There's some great stuff on that shrimp. Honestly, I wish the movie was just them opening a shrimp shop, like a shrimp boat. That's what I mean. That's the movie. But that's the Remove whole movie. All this other bullshit. Everything else, cut it out. Just have it be these guys who were at the Vietnam stuff. Yep. And then these guys, because of, Fate and you know whatever else happened. Open a shrimp boat that becomes successful. And what? And then what are the business issues with that? Right. I would have loved to heard. I don't need to have Forrest invest in Apple computers or no. whatever. Like, no. Why? What, and why do doing? that? Why do that? He was a successful businessman. We don't need to see the Apple thing. But like, how does even Lieutenant? I would like to see the buddy cop movie, not a cop movie, but a buddy movie. You know, with Lieutenant Dan and Forrest just opening up a, a shrimp. Boat. Right, you That's got enough. a guy with with uh, with his legs cut off who who's wanted to die, who's operating a, a fucking. Sh he's now he's captaining a fucking shrimp boat. Sh who is shrimp boat? Who is filled with rage and anger and wants to die? Yeah, challenging then, God to a fight in the middle of a storm. And then you maybe have, <laughs> and maybe maybe Dan Danson just wants to do some shady business stuff. Yes. and Forrest brings him back <laughs> in, pulls him back with his morality. Like, I'd watch that movie. Absolutely, That's, those two. Yeah, the worst part of this movie. Mm. As much as so, I think the shrimp boat stuff from Lieutenant Dan is the best. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's really great. Okay. Yeah. Worst part of this movie, and part, I still do not understand, and I get it, whatever, I get, I, 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 it was not also, I guess it wasn't in the book. I didn't know that until recently. They're walking across America four times. 
I feel like they were just doing it to, to, to build up time so Forrest can have a son. So I, um, yeah, that's why they did it. And it's really I, annoying to me. I didn't mind. Yeah, and it could be, yeah. There's no payoff at the end, it's too. Insane. He just stops. He just stops. It is insane. Everything So why, why do we do this? Everything Forrest does has a reason. Like, right. as much as, like, sometimes it's, it's, so, it's such a reason. It's, like, it's such a smashing reason. Like, it's, we get it. Right. Calm down. This has no point. No, there's no payoff. It's the only thing it is that has no real point. So I guess we're it's just... Also, it's also, like, impossible. Yeah, that's a lot. And stupid. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and it's, it's literally just done so Haley Joel Osment's old enough for him to talk to. And it, it's annoying. Yeah, he had to clear out Jenny, but that's the way he did it. Uh, but it didn't... It, it's like, why... But he doesn't clear out because he, he doesn't get back. She's with him the right. whole way. Yeah, it doesn't work. So then what was the point? Uh, yeah, there's no point. That really angers me. And the, it's it's uh, self-reflective because everybody who's following around, following him are like, Shh, he's going to speak and then he's got nothing for them. So just like the audience, they like characters have nothing. So what's the point? What's the point of any of it? There's no point. I feel like those runners, like you're like, Fuck. that's all that there was to that was just nothing. The only point for me is I love Michael McDonald. So hearing that song makes me happy. But <sighs> besides that, uh, there's two thumbs. Oh, the, the Jackson be, Brown song. I'm not a big fan. That was the first one. Yes. Um, running on empty, a, right? I'm not a huge running. I'm not a Jackson Brown fan, but, the, but uh, I like some, I like actually like the Jackson Brown song we just did for fast times. So was it somebody's baby? Oh, that's not a bad that's song. A good song. Yeah. There must be somebody's baby. Yeah. Uh, um, he must, be I like that better song. than she must be. She must be. I, yeah. I like that better than this. Yeah. Um, but the thing with this was just, it was more just annoying that it was like, so, Running, I, I know. We get it. He's running, and it's a song called "Running." <laughs> and how is he not completely gaunt at the end of that? It is so stupid. Dude. Yeah, it's dumb. It is dumb, and yeah. it, it's just it's it's really just has, that's funny about this movie. Honestly, has no respect for the audience. None. No, it treats us like children. Treats you like an idiot. So maybe baby boomer. Ba- they think baby boomers are, are idiots. No, I just think. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's something like, right. Oh, you'll just watch this film because we're just gonna it play treats, the hits. You know what Forrest Gump does? What it does treats do? it treats us like for like we're <laughs> Forrest Gump, and we're just not Zemeckis. <laughs> we see through your ruse. Yeah, we're a little higher than a seventy-five IQ, Bob. Sorry, Jesus. Uh, yeah, this movie, uh, this movie is not. It's good. too bad. I give it. I give it a C plus, something like that. It it would be mm, it would be so much better. It could be. It could have been so much better. I guess. I it don't could have been, so much, been honestly. No, just the story. Oh, you mean if they just like if they That's it. edited like how the the Matt and Chris edit of Forrest Gump? Yes. They, it would have <laughs> been a lot so, of time on that boat. It, it might have been I mean it could have been it could have been a really good, really great film. Really great. I mean it, you know, so all right, so obviously we have our criticisms about it. Roger Ebert, by the way, loves this loved this movie. I know, and that pisses me off too. He's not that he's not st- People did love this movie more than you know. Obviously, it's kind of bad, bad, bad rap. So let's talk about it from the okay. from the long range perspective a bit. So this movie, uh, as we, t- I don't want to go through it again. We went through our Pulp Fiction episode, but this yeah. movie uh, was nominated for Best Picture along with Pulp Fiction, along with Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So and it's now become kind of a joke that Forrest Gump has won this Best Picture. Where meanwhile, if you live through the time, like I, I, I yeah. would by then was an active movie fan. So Forrest Gump was the odds on. It was not a surprise when it won. People were very happy at one. Since then, you know, audiences' tastes have changed as Pulp Fiction created. It's really more Pulp Fiction than Shawshank Redemption because Pulp Fiction created this mindset of independent film. Yep. Can be successful. And then Shawshank got these, you know, became this film that defies time because it takes place in a prison and doesn't have a lot of uh, pop culture stuff. So, I mean, Shawshank is something. Shawshank is going to be It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Like, 
hundred years from now, people will still watch Shawshank. Yep. Because it can be at any time. People will always be there. Always be prisons. Yep. People always want to get out of them. So like it's an it's a uh, it's an immortal movie. Yeah. Just like Jaws is immortal because there's always a beach and there's always sharks. Yeah. And these are like immortal things. <laughs> right. Um, Forrest Gump is the opposite of immortal. Forrest Gump is like a, a new car you bought and the second you're off the lot, it's old because this movie, you know, this movie takes place and is so of its time to yeah. a point. Shawshank Redemption and Forrest Gump are the polar opposites. They really are. Completely different. One's all about like small moments and caring about, uh, each other and it, and intelligent. Even think about it. Like Tim Robbins' character is so intelligent. Forrest Gump is so dumb. Like <laughs> is, everything yeah. is. You're right. Different. They it could is. not be more different movies. And it is wild that one was so successful when it came out, and one was so not. Yeah. And then twenty five years later, one is now is that's eh, okay. It's uh, it's it. Forrest Gump is like McDonald's. It's like yeah, it's, it's it served is. a billion billions of people because it tastes a certain way, but there's no depth to that no flavor. Depth. And Shawshank is leave you with people who have watched. I've watched it countless times. I watched it tons. I times. really actually, you know, my birthday week is gonna be the one we do next. I really contemplated doing uh, Shawshank. Had we not good. already done Pulp Fiction, I would have done that week, so I could have done both the same week. <laughs> oh shit! Um, but we are done for like, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but I really contemplated it yeah. because I really want to talk about Shawshank and it hasn't been in the top 10 a ton. Um, so, cause it was, it wasn't a huge hit. Yeah. So I, I don't know when we'll be able to cover it. Um, but maybe next year on your birthday, then. maybe next year. I mean, it's, it's on my short list, but, but Shawshank it has so much depth, but it really is the anti Forrest Gump. It really is. And, and Forrest Gump, 13 Oscar nominations. Yeah. It's insane. Massive. And it won a ton. It won five, uh, right? Five of them. Tom Hanks be, uh, for, of course, uh, best picture, directing, editing, and screenplay. And screenplay. I really don't agree. It won screenplay. I don't agree with any of that except Hanks. And even then, um, so there were, he had to see that the problem with is he went up against um, John Travolta from yeah. Pulp Fiction, which he should not have been. Right, exactly. Yeah. That shouldn't have made yeah, sense. I, I have real issues with that, actually. So could have been maybe Robbins. Um, who else? I can't. Maybe Robbins was nominated. Robbins was nominated, right? That's right. That's That was bullshit. Um, there were some others that yeah. that, that may have so, been better. Um, Tom Hanks. So uh, he won, he's won two Oscars, and he's been nominated five times? I think so. Um, yeah, I nominated for Big. Um, Philadelphia, which he won. Forrest Gump, which he won. I'm doing this by memory. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Castaway, too? Uh, he was nominated for... Uh, for Saving Private Ryan, which you lost. Yep. I'm sorry, nominated six times. Uh, nominated for uh, Castaway, which you lost. And yep. he just got nominated for the Mr. Rogers movie, which, which you lost. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. The six movies that he's been nominated for. In my opinion, the ones he should have, the ones he should have won for are, um, you know, Castaway. Philadelphia, he was quite good. The movie stinks. I shouldn't say it stinks. The movie's not that great, but he's, he's so tremendous. And I haven't seen it for every day. He's so good in it. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, Castaway, the fact that he didn't win for that is, I, I think that was a, I always feel like that was a rebuke. Yeah. For, he already has two, because he, that is a masterful, like I always talk about it, but Paul Newman, the verdict, uh, Jimmy Stewart and So Wonderful Life, I think it's, okay. it's you almost impossible Hanks to do. Castaway in that. You got, you have Hanks in the middle of nowhere by himself. Like, oh, what do you, look at the way his mood, I really hope we hit Castaway one day. Look at the way his mood changes. Like on the island, yeah. he's a different person than he is when he gets 100% back. 100% different. And he's a different person than when he leaves. Exactly. He's playing three characters. I know. And all he does of them a great are job. pitch perfect. He's really good. Yeah. He's, he's good. He, I, I, uh, I hate this character. I, I, I really don't like this movie, but they're. All right. He's quite I, good. I, I, I'm very, as you can probably tell, I'm really conflicted on this movie. Me too. Because um, there are elements of it that I like. There are. But there are more elements that frustrate me about this movie that I like about it. Yep, totally understand. 
Um, yeah. The worst for me was the Watergate. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> like he, he meets so Nixon. Nixon's like, oh, you should stay at this hotel. And he goes there and he's the one that uncovered. No idiot in the Watergate hotel with their flashlights shining all over the place. Like that's, that was so stupid. That trying, and the Lennon Imagine. They're trying to be funny. Oh, it wasn't funny at all. It made me want to retch. Same thing with oh, the, the, the Lennon Imagine. Ima- that's so stupid. Oh, no religion? Well, you can imagine it, Dick. It's like, fuck you. It's so, so dumb. Fuck you. I mean, I'm not a, I don't really like Imagine. I think it's a, kind of a trite song, but whatever. He's an iconic goddamn writer and he's a Beatle. Like, you don't fucking do that to a Beatle. Fuck you, Zemeckis. I just thought it was just so, it's just so shoehorned. It's just way shoehorned. They try, and he tries so hard to be funny. You know what's pretty funny? I could have, I could have had like 20 minutes more of Michael T. Williamson as Bubba. Yes. Like, <laughs> I like this guy, single minded yes. guy, but yeah, had a real passion what he wants to do. Yeah. I actually would like the movie to be, I don't necessarily need Bubba to die. Why can't the three of them just, Run a a shrimp. I I would watch a show where yeah. the three of them run a shrimp company. Yeah, of course. Like every week. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I tried watching that The Boys show. Not for me. Not for me. It's super superhero superheroes. Not for you. It's not that. It's, it's too dark. It's too broad. It try. It, it's like everything is like really telegraphed. Yeah. It's like really. There's not. There's no subtlety in it. It's really. And also, I think the biggest issue I have with it too, honestly, is The Watchmen. I love The Watchmen. I read that graphic novel like six times. Yeah. I'm really. And that is the same. Yeah, same thing. concept. Yeah, and like I can't get the Watchmen out of my head. I, I don't it. think it's like badly made. I only watched one episode. I don't think it's badly made, but I'm like, it's not my favorite. But I enjoyed it. One thing I did like about it, the Watchmen doesn't touch on, is like having it be like all like movies. Like, you know how Marvel is like up yes. the game with superhero. I like the fact that you have like that element, that element of it. it. So yeah. that was kind of cool. How many did you watch? Did you watch just, just one. Just work. I think you gotta give it a few, but it's all right if you don't. It's, it's not your thing. It's, it's totally fine. It's I, super I, odd. I like. I think it's. I think it's pretty good. It's good. It's yeah. super. <laughs> I, don't uh, hate, I don't hate it. The other thing I, 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 want, I did try. It. I the other thing try. I wanted to say about Tom Hanks is though is I don't think anybody else plays this part. No one <sighs> else does this. So Sean Penn was the next guy to get it. There's, there's no he. Does. I mean he did. I, I, so I am I Sam. He's, Sean really, Penn, he's Sean quite Penn good. Been, and he was in I Am Sam, That's which he plays a um you know a similar kind of character. He's quite good in I Am Sam. I don't, but I think he. I think he's too much. I think he's too expressive, um, to make that work. I think it takes restraint that Tom Hanks has. I don't think Sean Penn can do it. Trying to think of like who else, like maybe who else has a range? Everybody else would be too dark. Like Gary Oldman has a range of doing them. He could do a tons of characters, but I don't think, I think he's too dark. He wouldn't do it. I don't know who does this. I hate to say Sean Penn could, because that was right in his peak. I, I hate, I, I don't. You think so? I don't know. If, I, I would have a hard time saying Sean Penn couldn't do anything in that. And I don't think Hanks was that. He he's was, quite good. I just think he just, he just stares blankly. I mean, in theory, you could have had like, you know. Any, any idiot. You could have had like, you know, Spencer Pratt from the, from the Hills or something play this role. <laughs> no, just stare at No, 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 no. Because when Hanks, no, because you need Hanks to deliver at the right he moments. Does, he when does. When he's frustrated with Jenny not loving him. Yeah. When he's um, enthralled by titties. When he's, when he's fucking, uh, when, he, when, when he sees his son for the first time. Like, and the realization that it's his son. Who can, who can do that amount? Like, that far? Who can go that far? I don't, I, don't I, know. I think Sean Penn could have. Maybe. Know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, can, oh, can you imagine? I saw the other directors who were perhaps thinking about doing this film. Terry Gilliam. Can you imagine Gilliam doing this film? He would not do this film. He couldn't no, have done this. No way. I, I gotta tell you, though, I know you're really big on Hanks. I, I, like I was saying, you know, I think Hanks was better in Castaway. I think mean, he's better in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. He's better in Philadelphia than he is in this. He's like, still great in this, though. Yeah, he's... I don't think there's a lot for him to do here. Those mo- there are those moments. moments, right? Those, yeah. And there's two moments. The one, the confrontation he has, where he's like, "I know what I, I'm. I know yes. what love is." Yeah. At the staircase. Yeah. And then the scene 
with, with, with the kid. Him, that is yeah. a gr- great scene. Yeah. Other than that, though, you still have two hours and 10 minutes of this movie that there's not a lot to do. The problem is you can take that character too far and it becomes a parody. I agree. I think his instinct of playing it very less, yes. less is more is the right way. Especially in this movie is fucking so broad. That would be my concern with um, with Sean Penn because in I Am Sam he is he's, he's out there. Yeah. But he but it's not it's not it's still lovable. No, it but, is, it but is. it could be. But he plays ugh. he can play he's played quiet roles. I mean he's at Carlito's way. He's kind of but his instinct with uh, with a character who has mental I issues. I Am Sam is to go wild. Right, yeah. and so I would be worried that he would do that. I also time. we are Sally Field. I don't think she's that goodness. I think she's good. Yeah, I like her. She's very stereotypical. She's kind of, I don't want to say mailing it in, but very, it's funny though. You haven't seen Punchline, right? So in Punchline, she kind of, she plays someone who's a little bit older than him and they're like, she, they're, it's about stand-up comedy and she's a housewife that wants to do stand-up comedy and uh, Hanks is like a young stand-up who's very talented, but like hasn't, but he's like, he's out of his mind. He's crazy. Yeah. And I um, the two of them are like become like friendly. Not romantic, but just become friendly. It's it's an interesting movie. It's 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 good. It's it's good. It's, it's intriguing. It has a lot more layers than this does. Yeah. Um. But they're like almost contemporaries. And this movie, she plays like his mom. It's I know very, it's a little strange. It's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You have to age her. So you do. Yeah. You know. But, but still, like he's in his thirties, and she, I I don't know how old she was. This she's film. definitely she's older, but not that much. Not older. that much. 12, 15 years. Maybe? And he's playing someone who's a lot younger, younger than he was. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot, I guess, but no, but they showed high yeah. school him and he was 38 him. when they shot this. So, Oh yeah. So he was playing way young. Oh, way younger times. Yes. Yeah. Like in high school. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so kind of a tough one. The movie. Yeah. C plus. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's, it does anger me. It does frustrate me that it won best picture. Um, it is what it, you know, it, 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 it happened. It's, um, I mean, at, uh, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of this yeah. movie. I'm tired of this movie existing. I mean, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of the fact that it, you know, I think once baby boomers all die off, you'll never hear of this movie again. Probably like, not. It just becomes a relic. History will not look back on this one kindly. It already doesn't. Yeah. It already, it already is a joke. It's a joke. It's like, you know, especially among like award nerds, it's a joke. That's probably what e- the problem with Ebert is, is it's just his generation. The thing too is Ebert, in fairness to him, that review came out when the movie came out. And the movie came out before Shawshank or Pulp Fiction had come out. So, you know, he's doing a review. You're looking at a snapshot in time and people were very favorable to this movie when it came out. Like I, like I said with the earlier, that new car off the lot. The second this movie had a little bit of mileage on it, doesn't work. And the second it has a lot of mileage on it, it really doesn't work. I remember my Uncle Tommy, smart guy. Um, he's a piano player, that, that one. Yeah. Hated this film when it came out. Ooh. Hated it. He was so angry with all that shit. You know, all all the fucking porn shit, all the baby boomer porn shit. Yeah. He hated all the shoehorning. And um, he's right. Yeah. He's right. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, anything else with this film? No. So, um, so I don't really like the song. I'm not a big, I'm not a huge Madonna stand. There's a couple songs that she does that I really love. Like, um, 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 live to tell is one of the, my favorite, probably my, one of my favorite songs. I would okay. say top hundred song for me. I love live to tell is a beautiful song. This one's, this one's not a bad song. It's constructed interestingly. Um, but I'm not a Madonna guy. What does this song make you think of? Does it, does it like do anything for you? Do you hear anything? So I think, I think, so when I hear this song, I think of Eris. 
So I think of this is the boring Madonna era. Oh yeah, it is. So like, there's like we were talking about it with the uh, oh you get their own episode. Uh, these used to be my playground. That's right. Yep. Or, or you know, and like this is stretch Madonna had. And I, I went through and I looked through her albums. Like how this stretch actually lasted like seven years. Yep. Well, she made like like all these boring songs. Now is this this is not a ballad. Right or is it? I call it a ballad. Okay. Yeah. So then she did all of these ballads. Yeah. Um, for this like three album stretch. And so this is around bedtime stories, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And then it finally she does the Ray of Light album, which I actually kind of like. Um, and that came out in '98. But we're right in the middle of this stretch, which it was just boring song to boring song. Well, you know why? She had this huge bas- backlash from all the sexuality stuff that she was doing. She'd just come off. Um, what was the album before? Erotica. Erotica. Which is kind of boring too. I don't really know. Uh, there's probably I, erotic, put your hands all over my body, I think is that. That song, um, Erotica, she did a book called Sex. Yes. And she just did Body of Evidence. Yes, with Willem Dafoe, yes. Right. So she's got this like yeah. over-sexualized kind of persona. And it really was. Yeah. Um, and she took a huge backlash for it. So she consciously made an effort to not do that with this album. To be album, really boring. To be really boring. Uh, still sold a ton of albums. Still sold 8 million copies. Do you agree with me that this song is boring? This song is boring. So I guess I can take a bow. God Whoa. damn it. <laughs> Twice in an episode. It's pretty good, huh? Maybe there'll be a third. Ooh. That sucks. <laughs> uh, but, but so, okay, it's interesting that you think of that. But I, so from a tonal perspective, I have a different, I get something different from this. I don't think about it in terms of errors. I think about it in terms of the construction of the song. I'm going to just play a little bit again. You're like the piano thing. Does that remind you of anything? Oh, I wonder if. Maybe, so let me let me here. I'll do this. Is it the same? Yeah. Do you get like? But does it give you any sort of vibe? No. So okay. So the construction's interesting to me. The vibe is um, it's Asian. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, it's this sound. It's, um... Uh, that. Oh, okay. Okay. That sound um, is... It's, uh, it's, it's a pentatonic sound. It's, an, it's a constructed um, sort of traditional Chinese um, construction elements of music. And it's very different than the way that Eastern music or Western music, sorry, Western music is, is constructed. Uh, I've mentioned this before on the show, but like we, everything for us is based on kind of two notes in a scale. It's the third and it's the seventh. And so a major scale for us is. It's a do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You've probably heard. So the third of that is just the third note in that scale. That defines whether a chord is major or minor. And it, remember, we talked about this before, that if you flat that by one little half step, makes it minor, makes it totally different, right? Okay, yep. So our our entire like musical, Western musical heritage is based on that idea and then this idea. You really want to finish it, right? Yeah. That's called the leading tone, the seventh. So the third and the seventh of a scale is what is really defining our tonality. Okay. In in traditional Asian music, specifically in China, it's they remove those two elements. It's called a pen, it's a they use a pentatonic scale. So our our scales are diatonic scales, are seven notes with the eighth is the repeating. So it's based on seven. Theirs is five notes. So it removes two, that third and that seventh. So what you get is uh oh, I lost it. 
Matt's piano just broke. Matt has this little keyboard here, and it just died. He tries to do the... That's so annoying. He got back. So it's it. That sound, that pentatonic sound is very Asian sounding yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This song is based on that. It's, it's, but why, why is one, why, why does Eastern music have a different pentatonic thing that you're talking about than Western? Like what, what created not, that divide? So I don't know why, I don't know why that happened because I don't think that culturally both knew each other very well. Because So, uh, so the, the, this, this idea of this third um, and like this, the idea of diatonic music. So, um, so songs that are, yeah, songs based around this, I don't want to get too, too deep in the weeds, but so- songs, um, that incorporate this idea of this third and the seventh, um, really started probably 13, 1400s. Okay. Uh, it, it, it was Gregorian chant for a while and then there was Baroque music and that's when that sort of transition happened. Were you, uh, upset, were you upset at the time when that transition happened? I, um, I, I was not alive. And, uh, but so that, that's, I don't, I'm not sure how, and I'm not sure why, but it didn't happen in the East, um, for some reason. And if you think about the difference between the two, what they sound like, um, in Western music, that is a very defined emotion. Major sounds, you know, in a very um, simple way, happy, and minor sounds in a very simple way, sad. When you remove that idea of happy, sad from music, you get something way more melancholy, and you give, and you get something that's left up to the imagination of the person listening to it. It's less defined, so it gives the listener the ability to define. Okay. So I, I don't know why I'm not, you know, or or or. Yeah, I don't know why, but that's just the way culturally it sort of happened. And so that's what this, when, you know, when I heard that, I forgot about this song, but when I heard it, you know, this morning when I was listening to it, I was like, oh my God, she's taking this, you know, this Eastern style music is what she's using, this very undefined, melancholy um, bass for this song. You don't know what she's taking? What is she taking? Taking a bow! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so then my question is, um, Oh, I, I, so my, my favorite, actually, version of, of this is when Rufus Wainwright does it. You mean, like, your favorite is, like, uh, version of this? Using, like, yeah. East, uh, Eastern music. Yeah. Okay. You like, you like Rufus. Rufus Wainwright a lot. I would say he's the second most influential artist to me as a musician. Mm. He is a phenomenal writer. Just, I'd, say, I'd say he's my 578th favorite musician. Yeah. Um, his style is quirky and odd, um, but there's maybe no better writer. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, he is, like lyrics or music? Or his like, lyrics and, are phenomenal too. Both, all, okay. everything. He has an amazing instrument. Um, his, his, his voice. So it's nasally and it's weird. But uh, the control that he has um, on his voice is is like unparalleled. He has a fantastic voice. It's just it's just the timbre is odd for people, and his song construction is odd for people. But poses that album and the next one, want one? I hold those two albums against any other two albums ever made. Listen. I'm looking for some music. So I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a. Read. There is a tremendous read. depth uh, as an orchestrator. He plays piano. He is just a construction genius. Um, and uh, I fucking love him. Okay. But so uh, that song is a great one. Gre- uh, it's called Greek Song. But 
So my question is with the song though, so she's got all these Asian like underpinnings to this, to this music. Why is this a bullfight? Why is this song about a bullfighter? Or you mean in the video? <laughs> Not, but just, yeah, and even like contextual, like if you think about what she's writing about too, it's, what the fuck? Yeah. Why is this an Asian theme song in a fucking Spanish video? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know much about, I got, I, this, this, all of this seems, uh, I don't like, but it's like, have some fucking consistency. Very, like watching it and listening to it, I'm like, ah, is this, you know, I know we get, but this is not for me. I, no, I, it's not really. I know that's either. kind of like become a catchphrase of this show. <laughs> um, that and uh, this, this movie's trash. trash. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, uh, all right, like this is, like it sold really well. It was obviously marketed and done. It, you know, we're talking about it in the show 25 years later or whatever. It's obviously, um, Oh, it's number one for seven weeks. It's a, I mean, it's a huge success, Yeah, you know? And this is, you know, so obviously it's a market for, I, I don't really get Madonna. So like Madonna has this career in the eighties and very early nineties, she's making really fun, interesting music, whether yep. it be material girl or whether it be like Vogue or like so some yeah. really fun, you know, she's changing. And then she goes into this, like this stretch. It's just like, it's, it's such a slog for me to listen to. And I'm like, who likes this? But I guess her fans stuck around that they might like, I it. guess. I, yeah. Like why would anyone, I don't know. It was way different. Um, she was more like go-go's, uh, in the eighties, yeah. like, and I like more that fun, a lot. or bangles or something like, you know, right. And then she shifted again. He came, I said, it kind of the Vogue stuff's different than that. Absolutely. And it's still really, it's almost like more Janet Jackson. Like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Like, oh, wow. All right. That's a cool, that's a cool move. She must've been looking at her contemporaries. Cause then it, right in the, right around that late eighties, early nineties, you see the rise of, of Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. And so she's probably feeling like she needs to compete. She is nowhere near. She hasn't like, it's the thing is like her can't. voice doesn't stack her. up and I don't, don't be wrong. Like as you can, you listen to the show long enough, you know, I'm probably not going to like any ballad probably. It's just going to, you know, for the most part. And, but like, you know, she doesn't, she can't keep up with Whitney or Mariah. She's not even in the same stratosphere. There's, there's so like, what are near. you doing? Like you're at your best when you're doing like fun, empowering. Pow- or, I was going to yeah. use the word like powerful yeah. songs. Yeah. Like that's when she's at her best. Th- this isn't it. Although live to tell is a beautiful, like that's a ballad. I fucking love that. That's the song. The whole thing is amazing and she doesn't have an amazing voice, but that's a great this song. Doesn't, but, this doesn't, but there are a few of those. This doesn't work few and for far me. Between. I, I can't, I, I mean, I, she was such a huge star at this time too. So I guess, I guess I understand how it'd be number one for seven this weeks. Peak Madonna. She looks amazing too. Yeah. Well, she, you know, think about it too, when she, you know, the movies, she had done Dick Tracy, which is a movie that's wildly underrated. That's actually a better movie than people give her credit for. Right. And then she, after this album, she does, um, Avita. Well, that was why she did this video. She did use this as her audition fucking tape for Avita. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So she wanted the, the matador and all that, but this is a weird, and maybe that's why she put in the fucking violence too. So she could act a little bit, which I so creepy. But it just looks like smeared lipstick. It doesn't even look like she got beat up. I know. So it's kind of confusing. Well, they probably couldn't actually put bruises and shit all over but her But they face. could have her like withering around in a bed. Yeah, I know. I, I so know. I know. I don't think this is this was the right choice. Uh, it. I, I guess mean, it was though. Like, but I you know we say that the same thing about Forrest Gump. Like, we knock it, but like these things were both like both of these things we're talking about today were wildly popular. This was her eleventh uh, number one hit, too. Wow, her eleventh. So she That's uh, a lot. she crested. Carol King had ten. She beat that. Uh, so she this she was had the record. Knock. Yeah, but I love Carol King too. She's a great writer. Um. But uh, yeah, this was her love. That's crazy. That's wild. You know, that's like, that's like a whole album of just number one hits. Yeah. If you can do that, you're doing something right. Yeah. And the album did pretty well too. It had two top threes. Um, so number one was this one. And then it went, oh, the other one was, um, oh, what the fucking song? I can't remember. There was another one. That, and then two other like top 10. So it, the album did well. The song did well. It's not for us. 
No. Do you know what I hate? I hate taking bows. Like all kidding aside. So like you've performed, I performed, you know, done some stuff, you know, whatever in theater or whatever. And I don't like bows either. I hate it. It feels so, it's like so lame. Actually, I like bowing as a greeting instead of shaking. I like shaking hands, but I like, I kind of like a little bow. It's, it's kind of a, <laughs> just this little, hello, how are you? You like to, do you like fully bow? No, no, no. Bow? Just like a little, like, a, like that's more of a nod than a bow. Kind of, yeah, but the shoulders will go a little bit too, though. Not just the head. I like a little bow. It's kind of a nice, you know, I don't know. It's a respectful thing, mm. but not on stage. I think that's kind of, yes, I, hate it. So I also hate the standing ovation. That's why I never give them because I fucking, cause they're, 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 they're so of course you don't. everybody. Yeah. Because everybody does them for every single performance. Yeah, so they, and it's all bullshit. It, lost all, it's lost all power. Now. It, no power. I know it's no power. Bad. Cause the standing used to be a thing. It used to be a real thing. Yeah, they but I don't trust the fucking audience to know what a good performance is well, either. They, and then they, they all don't get show, but nah, they pay money. They get to show their appreciation. That's a bad take about you. No, it's because they're dumb and they don't know well, what's fine, good. They can still. They, no, it's they theirs, can. It's their no, standing no, they up. They can, but what they're doing is they're they are watering down. No, what it they means. completely ruined. Yeah, it. so fuck them. I agree, but it, but, but there was a time so when now, we were but, kids when the standing up meant something. It meant a now little means, more. Now it means nothing. It meant a little more. And now it means nothing. That's so what am I going to have to do to show? So, cause there are some, I've seen some amazing performances and if in a few occasions, on a few occasions, what am I supposed to do? Must jump up and down. Like what's the next level up? Right. I've got nowhere so to go. When you see an amazing performance now, you still don't stand I up. I sit. Oh, you suck. I sit Just and stand I, up. I Who sit cares? and I like give a little thumbs up and I give them a little bow, like oh, a little nod. God, you <laughs> suck. Oh, I would, oh, I would mock you. If, if you know, I, if I go I backstage saw you do that, <laughs> and I was like performer, I'd be like, look at this asshole. Who won't stand? No, they, no. You as a performer, like you'd be like, "This guy gets it. This guy gets it." That these that shit's watered down. You know, you know, it takes bravery. You know, what shows a great performance? Staying in your seat. That's what they would think. I don't like any of the things we're talking about today. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I don't like this song. I, the Forrest Gump movies kind of played out. What are we doing next episode? Who even knows? Oh, Billy. Actually, I'm excited to talk about Billy Madison. Okay. I know. I, I do. No, because it's your first. It's our first Sandler. It's our first, but it's also like I don't know. I feel like. I just Gump and it was hard doing like I I, I tried to you know I don't, don't want to I, I will be honest like Gump is so talk to death it is and then um, Madonna like I, I don't mind talking about Madonna but this is like the last thing I want to talk about her this right. is like the last song I want to talk about her about. and we're gonna hit her we're, we'll not we're not gonna hit Madonna but we're gonna hit so her they songs did in this video they did in this video yeah. uh, we're gonna hit her songs earlier on in the eighties and right. so that's when we can talk a little bit more about Madonna and even too. Like the late nineties stuff would be more interesting for, I actually like those songs yeah. a lot more so it's like oh that's kind of cool. But like this era of Madonna is born. So I'm like, I was, I was just not feeling it. Nah, it's not. And it may have worked better with a better singer, but then I still wouldn't have liked the song. I don't like the song. It's just not for me. No, there's nothing. You're right. There's nothing that goes. So once again, back to like the, the, that Asian theme, that pentatonic, there's, it doesn't really, it doesn't commit to a mood. And so if it doesn't commit to a mood, then it's like, we're, you know, what are we, what are we supposed to take from this thing? And it doesn't it doesn't support the fact that she gets beat up in the fucking video. Well, the video is the video, I guess. But I know, but still, it's it's kind it's of a weird. complete package. Uh, particularly, you know, I mean, MTV was still. Th- I was still watching some videos. Yeah. Now, so you kind of, I, I, I remember the bullfight. They really promoted this because VH1 was trying to do a rebrand. Yes. And they really promoted the hell out of this video. So this video got a lot of airplay. It did. Uh, this song makes me feel sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna it's almost like a lullaby. Right. So it doesn't quite match up. And then the bullfight. I, I have a hard time with bullfighting too. I really have. Oh, a hard I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like any of so, animals. I don't like any of her animals. No, no, I think. Yeah. Sh- shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, all right. Can we move on? Are you done? Yeah, I guess I am. Personal story? Yeah. Um, not a whole hell of a lot because we've talked a little bit about we, this time period we've before. We've talked a lot. So yeah, if, in case you're a newer listener, 
we've hit not late 94 or 94 like well one of our first episodes we hit like the like 95 i think our second episode or third episode we hit like very early 95 probably i don't remember what, yeah what it was but uh, i think it was january it was a month before this so we've talked about this yeah a a lot. kind of a lot so the only, so i know where i was um this we uh i've mentioned this on the podcast before that this was a thing but i don't think that i've 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 like talked about a specific one but um so this was the first time I've ever, I've ever went to Toronto. Oh, all right. Um, and this was a band trip. Um, I mentioned before that every year we did a band trip. Um, it was a, it, like my high school band. The music department in my high school was very important to me. Probably had my most influential teacher, uh, David Bresnahan. I learned so much about the construction of music. I got to conduct and learn theory and ear training and all sorts of stuff that most people didn't get to learn before they hit college. So I was way ahead of anybody when I, when I hit college. Um, and I was just, I had a huge passion for it anyway. I was writing songs, probably starting when I was about 13 or 14 years old. I got annoyed singing to the radio and I was like, I want to do my own thing. And that's when I started, I picked up the guitar and started learning to play the guitar. And I, and I pretty close, like pretty immediately started writing songs. Um, not good ones, but I was eternally like fucking interested in how this shit works. Like, how do you put this shit together? And so, uh, it was, it was, it was like the perfect place for me. I was so glad I, there was a my family almost forced me to go to a um to a private Catholic school. It would have been Bishop Bishop Brady, Brady in Concord, I think. Right? In Concord, and I fought hard. It was only because I was a musician that was that was my move. It's only because I was a musician and um, auditioned and got into the the band in high school that they let me go to Central. Um, if that wasn't because Bishop Brady didn't have. It, Central High School had an amazing... Everybody knew that it had one of the best music departments in the state. Very good one. And Bishop Brady, like, did not. So that, okay. that was my leverage. Yeah. It's like, you can't take... Because they knew how... I'd been playing music since... I'd sang all my life. Been playing music since fourth grade. You know, they... That was my leverage. My grandfather was going to pay for it, too, for me to go to Bishop Brady, which I think was, like, 3500 bucks a year at that time. Um, kind of a lot. It is a lot. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot. private school. It's a lot more now, even. But yeah, I, I don't want any of that. Like, dry, you know, from it would have taken me thirty minutes to get there, and you know, you're wearing a uniform yeah. and the Catholic upbringing, and you know, all that shit. I didn't want any part of. But but more so, all my friends were going to Central, and I wanted to do music stuff. So yeah, makes anyway. sense. But every so every year we did a trip, and the off years were bigger years, were bigger trips. So this one was a bigger trip. Okay. Uh, the we went to DC one year and we went to um we went to uh toronto was the other big trip and it was great because i'd never been out of the country before um it was so, such a like a cool these are such good memories because you leave in the middle of the night like you get to that you get to high school the buses are ready to take yeah. you um it's the buses with like the tvs on there so they're showing movies yep, yep. um you know you're with all your buddies and chicks like <laughs> you know what i mean it's, it's a co-ed <laughs> but you know you're I like know, no, you're I, away I from your parents completely agree, completely you know agree. i'm it's really fun i'm like 16 so yeah. you know uh, i'm a young guy and and uh yeah, and you're with your friend. It's rowdy and whatever. And you, I think we probably left at like nine o'clock at night or something, yeah. or eight o'clock at night because you're supposed to sleep on. And no one sleeps on the bus, no. so it's just ruckus. And uh, and you're you're like staying in a hotel room with your buddies. Like there's four of you in a room, yeah. and it's the best. You're yeah. all you're, you know. It, there's chaperones, but they're pretty lax. At that time, probably not so much anymore. But they were pretty lax. So, you know, getting drunk at a hotel bar, probably. Yeah. So we like you know we snuck out and yeah. walked around the city. Plus, we get to see that. Toronto's I really like Toronto as a city um, because never you've never been. It's, no, yeah, it's I really go. Great. So even like the popular parts where um, 
where the baseball field is and you know, all that stuff is like that. That's that's the sky Scout, dome. Sky dome. The baseball field. Sky, <laughs> the sky dome. Like, you know, and the CN Tower. <laughs> And whatever it is, but even that <laughs> area, they play games. <laughs> <laughs> baseball field. <laughs> We're just sitting in the crowd in the baseball field. Right, in the audience, <laughs> in the audience. Uh, all right, the audience. Um, that's down by the waterfront, and even that area, which is kind of touristy, is still really cool because it's super clean. People are super polite. But then you can go into neighborhoods uh, kind of outside that area, and there's like a lot of culture and cool food, and like it's, it, and it looks more like a city. Um, so it's, it's like super, it's really safe, but still very big and vibrant and fun. So it's like a cool place to go. If you're in high school, it's pretty safe. Do you think people in those neighborhoods still talk about the time when those the time teenagers when came, in. came in, those rogue teenagers came in and walked through? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Matt knows all the hidden gems of Toronto. <laughs> just walked through some neighborhood no! once. No, but it's just like a cool, um, you Matt's playing <laughs> Toronto. So you, there's a neighborhood there and you walk through it. It's what I'm trying it's next to the baseball field. <laughs> what I'm trying I love the random McNally take on Toronto by Matt here. Keep, Atlas. Going, keep going. I'm reading this up. This is great. Atlas. Um, no, I'm, what I'm trying to explain is that. <laughs> <sighs> Do you hear yourself sometimes? God, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a safety net is what I'm trying to say. It's a foreign country. It's a foreign city but yet it's a safety net. It's like a safe place for high schoolers to go and like romp around better than like Detroit or something. Yes, probably. Or yeah, or parts of DC, probably. Or parts of DC. Um, so anyway, this was a super fun time. And the other cool thing is, is you get to experience competition because that's, that's why we go. There's a, you know, and it's a stupid, it's not like you no, know, we get a stupid plaque or whatever, but, but you're still playing. It's meaningful when you're in the moment. I never, you're getting I never judged. stuff like that. Yeah. You're yeah. getting judged. That's, that's cool for a, uh, yeah. Like you're working towards something. It's the best you can do at that time. Like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, you're getting judged and critiqued and they send, you know, so you get the, all that read back to you when you come back, you know, from um, David Bresnahan would, would, you know, read all the comments to us. And uh, it, yeah, just gave, um, it also happened like before our spring concert. So we would take that feedback and then we'd be able to incorporate it into what we were doing when we did That's our fine. That's shows. a good thing. We did some awesome stuff. Like we did, uh, do you know the 1812 over, yep. like with real fucking cannons oh. um, in um, like out, like outside oh. uh, of the high schools. It's, we did some pretty, pretty cool. badass yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that's it. And I love road trips and that was a really cool road trip. That's and that's I, I, we talked earlier about the time my school went to uh, Boston. Yeah. When we had like, it's just, it's just, Stuff like that are just memories you'll have yeah. forever. I, I hope kids, I hope they don't take that with so many things being so like ultra organized. I just hope kids can still have that time with these four guys in a hotel room and you're watching, you know, Cinemax and you're all yeah. like laughing, telling jokes and farting. It's just the best. It is. Um, okay, so we have a mini game here. Oh, mini game, mini game. Um, it's called Greater Than Less Than Best Picture. Okay. So kind of going back to the movie thing, I'm um, bringing it up now because I forgot to bring it up when we started the movie. Um, so I'm going to name Best Picture. And you tell me if it's greater than or less than Forrest Gump, the one we talked about today. Okay. okay. By the way, so this is our, I'm sorry, this is our seventh movie we've covered. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to say six movies. This is our seventh best picture we've covered in the show. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And we're probably covering an eighth next week. Oh, what could okay. it be? Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, this is less than. Argo. Are you going to play two? Uh, oh, less than. Okay, less than. Argo. Argo, less than. Less than. Departed. Less than. Less than. No Country for Old Men. Less than. Less than. Rain Man. Less than. Less than. Unforgiven. 
Less than. Less than. All right, there we go. Forrest Gump is the worst best picture we've covered. Fucking A. By, by a lot, right? Yeah, it wasn't I even a horror so. decision. Not even in the um, same stratosphere. Yeah, so we, uh, we, we are covering a best picture next week as well. I wonder if there are any best pictures that are better. I mean... That that, are better I mean, than, sorry, sorry, that are worse than that, like, probably in the oh, history there are. There are oh, there are, there are many worse. But this there, has to be in the bottom there tier. Some, there are some best pictures that are not good. Like, if you go further back, there's a lot weaker ones. Yeah. You're like, oh, that, it's not just because it's old. It's that they pick some bad movies to win. But there are definitely worse best pictures than Forrest Gump in our lifetime that we will cover in this show. Really? Absolutely. There's still, this has got to be the bottom Absolutely. tier, though. We, I will say we've covered a lot in the top tier. Yeah. We've been, we've been spoiled. Yeah. The, 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 those six, the silence, Argo, Departed, No Country for Wind, Rain, yeah. Unforgiven. Those are six of the best. Yeah, those are great like, ones. We've been, we've been lucky. Yeah. Um, so some news. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have two stories for us today. Uh, New York reinstates the death penalty after 18 years. It was later abolished in 2007. So from 95 to 2007, death penalty was legal in New York. However, no one was executed during that time. Yeah. In fact, no one has been executed by the state in New York since 1984. Right. Um, which is crazy. It was actually that recent. I'm, uh, I'm shocked it happened in my lifetime in New York. But, well, New Hampshire was, um, we had the death penalty until I think two years ago. But had anyone died? No, they hadn't put anybody to death. I that, think there was one person on death, death row in New Hampshire, but no one had been It's crazy. So, New York actually executed someone in 84. Right? That's wild to me. That seems wild. Um, but uh, yeah, so no one, you know, they, you know, and so my take on it, I have very, con- uh, as I am with all political topics, I kind of see both sides and I kind of take the middle. I don't, I, I, I don't have a strong opinion on that penalty. The older I get, the less I like it. But um, I really have an issue when it's done as kind of a political football like this. Oh, so yeah. they, they go through all this money, effort, and time to reinstate that penalty with no real, obviously no real idea to use it because they're all they would have. So then, like, and then they spent all this money and time in 2007 to abolish. Like, that's just a, either do it or don't at some level. Um, but what is your take on that? I figured, I figured you must have some oh, crazy opinion. Staunchly anti-death anti-death penalty. And, and, but the, and it's not because I don't think that there are certain crimes that are, that, that the, the, um, the right punishment would be death. That's not that at all. It's that I, you can't trust the state. The state has put too many innocent people either in prison or to death. So if you, if it's not an infallible system, I will never risk killing an innocent person by the state. I think that, 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 that is, that is unconscionable. I would never risk that. Um, take a look at, I I might've mentioned on the show before, but take a look at the innocence project who have, um, gotten dozens of people off death row who were innocent. So that just that alone tells you that they're fallible and you can't you so you can't, you can't permit it. So here's my take on that. And, uh, here's my, my, uh, so I have a gun policy that I think that no one ever, the right and left both hate. And I have a death penalty uh, well, moral relativism, uh, that, fucking Chris is, is how I know you in, in, uh, in <laughs> around my friend group. Good. It's oh, a fun nickname. I'm sure I'll catch on. <laughs> uh, so here's my thing. What if the death penalty is only viable for people who plead guilty? Uh, well then no one would ever plead. That's guilty. what my so worry I, would be, I right? Mean, yeah. There's no logical. Okay. What if the death? Cause penalty- then you should just, you should be able to kill yourself then fine. Then if you think you're guilty and you, and you know that the punishment for that right. is death, then you have the option of committing suicide. My, my thing with that is then you get rid of all of the, um, like the, the useless uh, appeal process. Cause this person's like, all right, look, I did it. I, I you know, it's, I'm going to go to doubt. You know, it, it kind of takes out all the government bullshit with it, but no one's going to do that. No though, one's right? going to do that. No. Right. Cause they could, ju- if they really feel guilty about killing somebody and feel like they should be punished and the punishment should be death, then they can just kill themselves. All right, I'm stronger on my gun policy. I want to say that to you now. Uh, you, everyone, you better be. Everyone hates this. 
Uh, <laughs> everyone I told you, I, hate it. I think it's great because everyone hates it. That tells me it's right. So it's wrong. I'm sure it's wrong. No, it's I don't great. even know it. It's wrong. It's, it's great. You, you, you won't like it. No, you're, 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 a, you're, a, you're a lunatic. Um, but uh, uh, morally consistent is what I am. Yeah, morally consistent lunatic. Uh, so it's here's the deal. So you you basically you uh, ban assault weapons, and obviously I know the assault. What does that mean? Assault. You find a barometer there of a weapon that's it's extreme. You know, the, like the one that shot up uh, the kids in uh, Connecticut. Like <laughs> that, that probably, we probably don't need that one. You know, <laughs> so, so right. So that, you don't even know what these are. You can't even define what these things are. I, I know what these things are, and you don't. Absolutely, you're probably right. Okay. Well, listen, well, listen to the point. So here's uh, the deal. Okay. So you ban those. Yeah. But you make the government sign a, a thing saying we're not going to get rid of any other guns for at least a hundred years. So anything else is comp- is because the 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 gun argument typically is oh it's a slippery slope. You get rid of this, you get rid of that. So here's the deal. We'll get rid of this, but we're not getting rid of anything else. Okay. And I don't want to fucking hear about it. And it also gets rid of all this fucking shit in the government about guns. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't work either. Why? But, well, first of all, from a moral standpoint, a human um, has the moral right to defend their own life. And, and uh, exactly, right. So you do. You Using have any force- and gun. You have, you have number of ways that you don't need to have this. Okay, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, but my, I mean, there's many complaints that I have, but one of, one of them is that this is decided by lawyers and they can't even define what these types of weapons are. Right. An assault weapon is not because what you're saying is that gun that killed those kids in Connecticut. That's in, um, that's a, an, an AR 15, which is a semi-automatic rifle it means it's one trigger pull, one bullet. It's not an automatic weapon. In fact, you can't get, it's almost impossible to get an automatic weapon, which one trigger full, one trigger pull yields a bunch of different, um, rounds get fired. It's almost impossible to get that. In the United States, those things have been banned forever. Um, but, an AR-15 is a simple hunting rifle that looks more assaulty than, you know, it's just got, it's been dressed up, but it has the same caliber, same uh, firepower as, as a normal person who goes hunting in the woods would have. It's just black instead of with a wood stock and doesn't have an extended clip more, and some so, other shit. It's so not more powerful. It's I the same up, weapon. My dad was a big gun guy. So my dad would, would be totally against this idea because he was a big gun guy. I so, wish I met your dad. God I, damn it. He's, he's a lot more <laughs> interesting than me. Uh, no, but you could, so you could, um, he'd be entirely on your side. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up shooting, you know, 357 Magnum. So I shot handguns. Yep, yep. I shot rifles. Yep. I shot, you know, so I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a gun. Not, I don't know a lot about guns. Yeah, I yeah. fully admit that. Um, cause it's not just really interest me, but I have shot, but those guns and the loading process and the time it takes is incredibly different than something like, like what you're describing, even if it is one pull, one bullet. No, no. The AR 15 itself, that model, the one is, is the same that can be, is the same that people use for hunting. It's just, there are different styles of it. It doesn't make it more, uh, lethal, more aggressive. The caliber is the same. Everything's the same. It's just one is black has a different, um, has a different, uh, what, what is it? I can't remember. Yeah, like different, there's there's modifications to it, but that do not make it more lethal or do not make it more powerful. So you don't like my gun platform? No, it's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> the other person hates uh, it. We just lost probably 100 listeners because of my gun. Too. No, but uh, ultimately, it's it's to me, like the moral implication is that you get to defend your own life. That's, that's the moral implication. And if anybody's going to ban anything, it should be done in an objective way. And my problem is, these things are not done in an objective way. They're done by lawyers who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And also my other issue with it is uh, I, 
what's good for Montana isn't good for New York That's City. That's the other and thing, vice too. Versa. Yeah. I, New York City has a gun. You, you're not allowed to bring a gun to New York City. That's and right. I have no problem with that. Because, like, I don't think you really... You're not like you're, you know, shooting livestock or whatever. You're shooting fucking bulls or whatever the fuck, you know, deer. You well. don't need... But here, though, you know, if we if we didn't have... Um, we're in New Hampshire now. If we didn't have hunting in New Hampshire, deer would run wild. We hit deer with our car every day. Yeah. So, you know, it's every... You know, New Hampshire, United States is a huge country. So there's different... You know what's good for one isn't necessarily good for the other, and I'm I'm all in for a community deciding you know what their policy is in a voluntary way, and let the experimentation show like which one has less crime or more crime. You know, based on the policies that you enact, I'm I'm totally into that, and that's one of the reasons why the idea of this 50 state like sort of you know breeding ground to challenge ideas is such a such a a phenomenal one. You know, in the 1700s when when they came up with it, Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally for like that experimentation. I think the proof is in the pudding though. If you look at New Hampshire, it's the safest, probably one of the safest places to live in the world. And it has many, um, many things. It's also one of the most Liberty friendly in the world too. So to me, the proof's in the pudding a little bit like there. Okay, good. All right. So we agree that you, so you agree that you hate both my, both my plans. Yeah, pretty okay, much. Everyone does. So it's not really based in any reasoning. So <laughs> I so. like them. I think they're great. I'm going to run for you're governor. An emotional I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to run it. for president with those plans. You, you'll probably get in actually. Uh, no one will fit. Everyone has those plans. Uh, so, uh, an actor named Ed Flanders died at 60. You probably don't know who he is. I don't. And, and that's okay. Uh, he was nominated for eight Emmys and won three. Um, and he also won a Tony Award in the 70s. Um, so Ed Flanders was a, played a character called Dr. Westfall in St. Elsewhere. And we talk a lot about, uh, I talk I got to go back and watch this thing. Watch you, you love it so much. Yeah. So season one of St. Elsewhere is a little bit rocky. It's like very much like ER before ER. Yeah. That's, it's after season one, it gets weird and kind of does it create. And by the end, like the last couple of seasons, it goes completely off. It's been out and it's good crazy. It's orchestrated crazy. It's to know what they're doing. Um, like the last episode of San Elsewhere, I'm not giving anything away necessarily, but um, it ends as a very famous TV ending. It ends with an autistic boy looking at a snow globe. Oh, right. Yeah. And the premise is the entire thing was in his mind, which is a complete mind fuck. Like yeah. that's, but they would do shit kind of like that a lot. Like they would have a lot of super, not supernatural, but a lot of like outside of mind. Or they would do kind of wild things. And Moonlighting was another show around the same time period that also would kind of stretch reality and do some really interesting things. Well, even Mad Men in some of the episodes will do some of that. This is different. Is this it? was this was um especially a, a time period and B different. Yeah. Um, was was a lot more comedic too. Like oh, it was they, okay. You know, it had Howie Mandel and you had other people. They had but they had some really. There's one storyline where this one of the people in who you like watch for years it ends up he's a rapist, and then he dies, and then he ends up like people dream about him afterwards, and he's like basically the devil. Like it's really interesting. Really, it's things you'd never seen on TV before, really, and it did some really, really wild things. Yeah. But Ed Flanders played a character, Dr. Westphal, who's kind of like the, the stable center of all of it. He was, mm. he was very, like, he was a guy that always kept his head. You had other people like William Daniels, we talked about, who played Mr. Feeney yep. on Boy Meets World, and he's on The Graduate, and he would kind of play this, like, very, uh, this surgeon I talked about last week, where he's very egotistical, and he would always kind of, like, have these, like, eruptions. Like, he would always, like, kind of lose his temper. But then you have Dr. Westfall kind of calm everything down. And he ended up leaving the show a season early. He wanted to try some other things. Um, and he, ended up, he did come back for that last couple episodes. In fact, it's his son that is the one looking at the snow globe. Like, that's the, like, you know. Yeah. And he had won three, you know, two Emmys uh, doing the role. No, one Emmy doing the role got nominated five times, I'm sorry, doing St. Elsewhere, this role. But he, when you watch the show, and if anyone watched it, I'm sure you'll remember, like, he had this, like, sadness to him, this actor. And he always seemed like he was just like, I don't know, he was carrying this heavy weight. And I, um, so he, he died 
um, this week in, in 1995 and he shot himself with oh. a revolver. And it really bothered me. Like, like he's only 60, but like really, I like, kind of like, I remember like when I read about it, I was c- kind of troubled by it. Cause like, well, you were watching, were you watching saying elsewhere at the time? No, because okay, like, so it had been off the air. I mean, I, I, I did, I didn't watch all of it in real time because it happened when I was younger, yeah. but I watched a lot of it in the early nineties. So I, I right, It had only been a couple of years okay. after. Um, but he just had a TV show for CBS, but ends up. So he left in elsewhere in 87 and from 87, 94, he just started drinking more and more. And his mother had died in a car accident. He was 14. And then he himself got in a car accident in 1989 and was severely hurt. Yeah. Um, he, and he had major chronic back injuries the rest of his life. And it made his drinking even worse. He was married, divorced three times. He's had five kids. He's had like this sad life. And, um, you know, he obviously shot himself and he didn't even know. But the thing about Ed Flynn is that kind of, and I think about him a lot. It's like, man, like, okay, if you just look at him on paper, it's a guy that has eight Emmy nominations, an right. incredibly successful actor, a very good actor. He's quite good in this show. He's very good. So all of them were earned. He was one of Tony. Like he was like a- He's a legit actor. Legit yeah. actor that was respected by his peers. Yep. That was successful. He made a good amount of money doing, you know, this work. And he was, um, he was good at it. He was legitimately good at it. And you're like, this guy has everything. This guy has it all. And, um, but he's like, you know, like the saddest, like, you know, so much sadder than 99% of people you'd meet. It's like, oh, like, you know, obviously, you know, mental illness and stuff like that. And you're like, it's just amazing how some people can have nothing. And like, what is happiness? Like that question of what does happiness mean? How does happiness translate into success? Is it, you know, does it have, I'm sure success has some meaning. Like I'm sure someone, on the same mental plane who has a little bit more money is going to be a little bit happier because sure. they have less worries and concerns. Exactly. But that's the same plane, you know, and obviously everyone's plane is different, but you know, look at this guy. I used to think that happiness was joy, but you can't feel joy all the time. Happiness. Yeah. It has, it's like a, it's a few notches below that. I mean, enjoy like elation. You're not going to, no one feels like that all the time or it's very, very, very rare. So is happiness like content. I think it is contentment. Yeah. I think it's, it's having moments of joy more moments of joy than say moments of distress. Um, and, and then right. Having, um, feeling like you are achieving something like productive in some way. Like I am doing something that matters maybe to enrich my own life or, you know, is respected or whatever. Like you have to feel, you have to feel like you're contributing. Like your life has meaning. I think that life really, has meaning. And I think that really affected Flanders. So he, um, he got the show to, tr- to try to do more things, whether it be on stage or yeah. be maybe like, cause St. Elsewhere was very much an ensemble. And by then too, he, his, the older doctors not like right now, but they had less of a importance in the show. So I think he wanted to do some different things. And then he has this car accident a couple years later and then he doesn't really act. He does like one small thing in 94, yeah. but so for years he wasn't acting. He was just at home drinking, not contributing. Right. And I definitely think that played a role in his, but I think even when he's contributing though, he seems like he had a real, he had like the sadness to him. I, I, I don't, you, I mean, it's very clear why, why tremendously wealthy people who don't have a purpose or a job of some sort, that's, that's why they get all fucked up. It's because they're just a, you know, the money doesn't solve, it doesn't solve it. You can, you can surround yourself with toys and nice views and attractive people or whatever, but, but eventually like you can't just sit there. What are you going to do? You can't watch TV all that. You can't, you have to do something that's productive you got to create something or participate in something or have so like be social doing productive things or, or you just, your life has no meaning and you just spiral. I wonder though, I, you know, would he have killed himself as well if he had been like working at a steel mill or something? I, I, oh, I, man, I don't know. I, I, I mean, just, from, I mean, I just don't know this guy at all, but he always seems sad. 
Like, but I, like it, it gives you some a reason if you don't have a reason to get up. Like, what's your reason? You and it can't be it can't be just one other person. You can't put that on your partner either. Yeah, they can't be responsible for your happiness. You and really have to make it. I mean, obviously, we're really stretching here. So I, know, no I, know, idea. I know, I know, I know. But he did get married, divorced three times, right? And like, you wonder, like. You know, and he obviously had a drinking problem. Because that's that, joy. You meet someone for the first time. The first time you meet your wife yes, or the, right. you're dating your, your wife. That That's joy. Like you're feeling elation for a while for that that sustains you. But but that that's never going to last. Like it has to turn into a deep love that um, and you and then you're also confronted with with what gives your own life meaning. It can't ever be that other person. So, yeah, I think some people, though, no matter what, whether they are contributing or not, I definitely think you're right about the contributing. C- contribution thing really playing a role in Flanders. But I think some people, no matter what are just, are just like sad. Totally. Like there's like a sadness with them. And just like some people we meet are always kind of like happy. And I always, I always see people like that's this kind of bullshit, but maybe it's not. I mean, there's a yin, there's a yang. So yep. if someone's always has this like bag of sadness or not always, but you know what I mean? This always just seems a little bit less happy than everybody else. Like I'm sure yep. there are people that are naturally more happy than other people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I look at stuff. I you know. I, I don't know stuff like that. I'm always like. I'm always kind of perplexed. I, I remember just being really like upset when he did that because I'm like, man, this guy, someone that in theory kind of like has it all on some level. Like he had a perfect yeah. amount of fame where he wasn't like Tom Hanks famous where he can't leave the house, but yet he had money. Right. He had success. He had awards. And pe- people thought he did a good job. I mean, he, right. But it wasn't even close to that, enough. He seemed like he had a very, I would not want his life for a second. I think that's partially, you know, so maybe there was, maybe there's some mental illness there because if you think about it, his, there, it wasn't his, his, the object, like the objective reality of a situation and his emotional response to it were not aligned. Like he had all these things that were great in his life, but yet emotionally it, it didn't, ref, it didn't reflect the reality of the situation. So there's this misalignment there. So uh, maybe, maybe. Have you ever read um, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Victor Frankl's book? No. Victor Frankl survived the Holocaust and became a psychologist. It is a hard book to read, but it is a phenomenal book. Um, you, might, you might really like it. It talks about... What is it called again? Uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, Victor Frankl. Yeah, if you ask me again after the show, I'll tell you. Yeah. But uh, tremendous book. You should read that. Oh, yeah, I just, I just think, uh, I don't know. I, but I remember the only reason I read it because I, I saw a headline. I'm like, uh, it's kind of no... Like, I mean, it really bothered me at the time. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Anything else? Uh, We're back on Saturday. Saturday. I'm excited for this one. Billy Madison. I'm really excited. To It'll talk be interesting about to talk movie. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember. I'm glad it's that one too. Cause that's like his first one. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it kind of worked out that way. Um, so we're back on Saturday with Billy Madison. Okay. See you then.